All the Lonely People. Written and produced by me, Jason Nelson. Chapter 8 When I was much younger, I used to have night terrors. They usually accompanied a fever, typically happening the night that my fever broke. I could never remember what the night terrors were about. I remember waking up to my dad shaking me, calling my name, trying to wake me up. My mother would hold me while I moaned and thrashed my sleep, singing and repeating my name over and over again until I regained consciousness. They got used to it over the years. The night terrors became fun little anecdotes. As I grew older, the more I could remember. The last night terror I experienced was during the first week of my freshman year at college. There was a kager and the dorm was empty. I had mild food poisoning and was fighting the fever that accompanied it. I woke up alone around midnight with the terrifying sensation of being chased. I sat up for hours, even after my roommate returned in a drunken and more than likely stoned state, trying to remember more. Slowly, an image began to form of a three-headed humanoid creature astride a lion with dragon wings. It's chasing me down a long tunnel that's just a little bit taller than myself, about seven feet wide and stretches on for about 30 feet before its curve causes the end to disappear. My bare feet are slapping wetly against the wet floor of the tunnel. As the lion breathes fire, I can see that the walls and the floor of the tunnel are red, looking like the inside of someone's throat. I can see the three heads, with their distorted, grotesque mouths open, roaring in anger as I remain just ahead of the grabbing claws of the lion. I'm not sure how long the night terror had lasted, but the sensation felt like forever, always running but never getting away constant fear of being caught, torn apart, and devoured. Years after that night, in a fit of anxiety, stress, or depression, that feeling of being chased would return. When it did, I would sit or stand there somewhat catatonic as that feeling of running, running somewhat akin to that sensation of constantly falling in your dreams until I would shake or slap myself from the stupor. There'd be times when, in those moments after I shook myself free from those thoughts, I'd tell myself that what I experienced wasn't an external experience. Because it was internal. Whatever it was, was a part of myself. Somewhere, deep in my subconsciousness, the beast was inside me. Was me. Even after that experience with my cat, there'd be times I would let the beast out. Shooting my BB gun into a nest of baby birds. Kicking a soccer ball at a kitten. Holding my dog by her neck against the ground, she struggled, whimpering, clawing, trying to bite until I released her, my forearm bleeding. The night terrors never returned, but there'd be occasions where I'd wake to Veronica telling stories about the things I did in my sleep that I had no recollection of. 
odd conversations, sitting up wide-eyed, staring at her in the dark, and occasionally a few things quite a bit more naughty. There was one night when she was weak and lying in bed, and I was reading to Eleanor from a chapter book. A few sentences into a new chapter, Veronica interrupted from the bedroom, saying that I had already read the chapter to Eleanor the day before. No, I insisted. I hadn't picked this book up in a couple days. Veronica proceeded to describe the cake that was delivered to the children a couple pages later. Eleanor piped up at this point, agreeing with her mother. I grew frustrated. How could I not have any memory of reading that book? Later that evening, once Eleanor was asleep, I confronted my wife, asking her if she was kidding, but she insisted and stuck with her story. It's my memory. It's an unreliable thing. Yet, where my memory fails, inductive reasoning takes over. Rather than anchoring to information my senses were receiving, I began to think rationally through the logic of the situation. I start assigning blame to the typical causes of these mental faults, stress, anxiety, and depression. I began obsessively dissecting the events, looking for possible explanations, listing the obvious assumptions, and developing hypotheses to test. Our human nature, by default, causes us to base decisions and thoughts on our most recent experiences. There was definitely a sense of cognitive dissonance as I experienced a heightened level of psychological stress while I sorted through these contradictory experiences. My experiences up to now and everything after. Prior to these events, if someone asked me if I believed in ghosts, I wouldn't have hesitated in my denial. Within that denial, though, I realize how hypocritical I am. For years, I blindly accepted the idea of faith and religion, regardless of the lack of science and occasional reason to prove it. With the discovery of the God particle, science had basically rendered ghosts as a figment of our imaginations. Because the God particle proved that everything in existence should have mass. Ghosts should retain a certain frequency or particle that corresponded with their human body, making them detectable. That encounter with Veronica wasn't the only one. I hadn't seen her physical form since that night, but there were still moments of footsteps through the house that weren't associated with myself or Eleanor. A few nights ago as I lay awake, I could hear Veronica humming on her side of the bed. It was the same tune she used to hum when Eleanor was a baby, lying in our bed nestled between us. I rolled over to my side, reaching across the bed to where Veronica used to lay, listening to her hum until I fell asleep. It was a companionship that I became used to. I didn't feel as lonely as I once did. I stopped piling pillows on her side of the bed. I turned off the hallway light at night. I slept better, awoke more refreshed, and felt more connected to Eleanor. There was a strong likelihood that this was all part of my imagination, but I was happier. Not happy per se, but happier than I used to be. 
checking in on Eleanor, I see that she's lying skewed across her bed, her covers thrown off. I straighten her out, brushing her hair away from her eyes and tucked her back underneath the covers. Going into my bedroom, I begin my nighttime routine. Going to the bathroom, washing my face, brushing my teeth, going to the bathroom again, and then climbing into bed with my e-reader. Even though these events are random, I have a hope that I might see or hear something. After a while, I can feel my eyes beginning to close. I realize that I haven't progressed to the next page for a while, so I close the cover of the e-reader and let my eyes adjust to the darkness. Where Veronica's rocking chair used to be is the darkest corner of the room. We had set the chair there when we had Eleanor so that there wasn't any light pollution from outside the house or from the hallway. Now the corner is empty. The chair sold online when it became too uncomfortable for Veronica to sit in. I know I'm tired, but in the darkness I can sense tiny movements. Veronica, I whisper. The darkness grows as if it's standing. The movement is sharp and sudden and I slide out of bed standing my back pressed against the wall. An image of the beast flashes in my head as it moves towards me. It appears as if it's three-legged until I realize that it's moving towards me in a bipedal fashion carrying something that stretches to the floor in its hand. Within its movement comes an inaudible sound. It's deeper than Veronica's voice, but sounds far away. Why are you here? I can hear it ask. Leave us alone. It says something else, but I can't hear it as my head collides with the wall, hit from some unseen force. Sinking to the floor, I look up, and within the darkness, I see my face. I'm angry, scared, yelling while gripping the handle of Veronica's softball bat. Leave us alone, I hear again, as I drift into unconsciousness. All the Lonely People is written and produced by me, Jason Nelson. Original soundtrack and composition by Tone of Just Tone Music. Sound editing by Brian Kaler. This show is made possible and ad-free through your contributions. You can support us at patreon.com slash allthelonelypeople. You can also purchase our ebook on amazon.com, as well as our soundtrack through iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite player. Spread the word about this podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for All the Lonely People Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Tune in next week for another chapter. And remember, don't be lonely.